To Freedom to Choose, brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, giving hope to people caught in the devastation of addiction. Hosts Rich and Susan Kohlenberg found freedom from 25 years of out-of-control drug and alcohol addiction. They are living testimonials, and in their series, The Kingdom of God, What Went Wrong with the Human Brain, Rich and Susan share messages on the problems we face and how Jesus Christ is the remedy to reasoning and thinking right thoughts. Learn how to break free from the chains that may bind you or your loved ones. Here's Rich and Susan on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. And once again, we'd like to welcome you to our series, The Kingdom of God, What Went Wrong with the Human Brain. Uh, what went wrong? We have an infection that needs to be cured. You know, uh, we're born infected with fear and selfishness. And the good news is you don't have to be afraid. Hmm. That's mm-hmm. the good news. Mm-hmm. Susan, would you uh, open the program with a word of prayer? Please? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you once again for the opportunity that we have to um, look at who you are and how you come into our hearts and our lives to um, not only forgive us, but to heal us and to change us into um, into restored individuals. We pray now that you will send your Holy Spirit to be with the words that we speak, as well with all the as well as with all the people who are listening right now. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, last time we talked about coming out of Egypt and what that represented. And what did we determine last time? Well, we determined that coming out of Egypt represents leaving the old ways behind. But not only the old ways, the behavior, but dealing with what the root cause is, not just the symptom. The addiction whether it be alcohol, drugs, whatever, is a symptom of something going on deep inside of an individual. That's why people can get clean in jail, you know, and then when they get out, they go right back at it. Because even though they've come out of Egypt, in other words, even though they've been taken out of that situation, out of that bondage, out of, that bondage of, the addiction. of the addiction and put into jail, they come out, Egypt hasn't come out of them. Right, and so they fall back into the into that right right so let's go back to the story because that's what we're going to kind of talk about today was is you know coming out of egypt's one thing but getting egypt out of us is something totally different right Uh, let's go back to the story exodus what is it exodus 14 yes exodus 14 29 and 30 but the people of israel walked on dry ground through the sea the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the land, from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Okay, who ends up safe on the shore? Those, everybody who followed Moses. And who does Moses represent? Uh, Moses represents Jesus. Okay, and then who ends up dead, buried in the sea? Pharaoh and all of his army. Right. So I think the lesson here is every time we go through a Red Sea experience, because you know which, what your experiences are. Um, and you can think back, um, but when we go through one of those experiences where we truly trust God, where we, as God said to Moses, go forward and come out on the other side, we should come out stronger. We should be able to look back and see part of our carnal nature dead on the shore. It's our carnal nature that chases us, 
just like Pharaoh chased the the Hebrews. Right, and it's painful, but God uses painful experiences not just to, to only draw us closer to him, but to eradicate that fear that is locked up deep down inside of our hearts, the fear that is actually killing us. That's what kills us. It's it's living in fear, shucking and jiving to protect oneself mm-hmm. that, that kills us. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes for an addict, it seems that it's the easy way to go to be just to go back to Egypt because there's too many frightening experiences ahead. You don't know what's what's up ahead because you never lived a life clean and sober. Right. But it's it's not the pain that gets us it's not that 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 it's the fear of the pain it's not the unknown that gets us it's the fear of the unknown pain is big but fear is bigger right and and life truly becomes a wilderness experience for anyone who comes to christ so um as as we look at the story what are the things that had happened as, to to the israelites as they came through this great experience of walking through the red sea but now boom they're walking into the wilderness okay well let's let's uh yeah because first first play of the game here miriam's pretty excited about uh getting through her red sea experience right so let's talk a little bit about that before we hit the trials okay exodus 15:20 says that the prophet Miriam, Aaron's sister, took her tambourine, and all the women followed her, playing tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang for them, singing to the Lord, because he has won a glorious victory. He has thrown the horses and their riders into the sea. Right. So just just the same thing for uh, the Israelites. Has God thrown um, our enemies into the sea? Has he taken care of us? Has his love, has his perfect love cast out fear in our lives? Then we're supposed to rejoice. We're supposed to be happy and joyful in the Lord, knowing that um, that he has saved us through those trials. Yeah, I mean, what is the experience when you come through a trial like that, that, you, that you, you're scared to death, but the Lord brings you through, right? You rejoice, don't mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. But remember, there will soon come another trial that will cause you to realize, once again, I know it does for me that I'm not in control. I know a lot of times we think we are, but in yeah, reality we aren't. I, that's what these trials are for. Right. To, 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 it, it, as we look back at what, yeah. at, their, at their at the Exodus and their world, wilderness experience, it shows you know um, it, that's the very <laughs> simple plan that God is trying to teach. Yeah. So in Exodus fifteen twenty two and twenty three, then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea into the desert of Shur. For three days they walked through the desert, but found no water. Then they came to a place called Mara, but the water there was bitter, so they could not drink and drink it. And that's why the name—that's why it was named Mara. Uh, Fifteen twenty-four. The people complained to Moses and asked, "What are we going to drink?" Moses prayed earnestly to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood, which he threw into the water, and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord gave them laws to live by, and there he also tested him. Now, what was God doing? Was God doing this to his children for amusement, or was he trying to accomplish something in their hearts? Right, so once again, we can see from a certain lens that he was trying to eradicate the fear and selfishness from their hearts. And the only way that he could do this is to put them into a situation where they're absolutely hopeless. They, there's there's no way out. There's no way, humanly speaking. Right. Uh, what is a hopeless situation? Addiction. Mm-hmm. See, and until an addict realize, 
realizes that his or her situation is hopeless, there's no helping them. And it's interesting because it's not just for alcoholics and drug addicts. It goes for every single person on this planet. That's right. Until we all realize that we are in a hopeless situation with um, our infection of fear and selfishness, God just, there's nothing yeah. he can do for us because he's not going to force his way into, a, into our heart. So yeah. if we continue on in the sickness and we're unwilling to stop and to turn to him, then um, he can continue to draw us, but right. we have to make that first move. And sometimes that drawing is a trial. Yeah. Because he knows that's the only way. Remember, Paul says, hey, you know, this, this thorn in my flesh, take it away. God says, no, I, I, speak to me no more of this matter. You know? Well, and, and I like it because, you know, God disciples. He, he disciplines. Disciple. Those, That's right? what a disciple he, is. He, he disciplines the, those. Yeah. And, and it's good. It's not. It's not an angriness. He does it in a desire so that we can be discipled, so that we can learn a different way. He's not trying to punish you. He's trying to teach us. Yeah. The eternal realities that exist. It's just the way things are. Yeah. Right. See, he's constantly protecting you. That's he's right. He's constantly keeping evil forces at bay in your life because that's his nature. Love, but what are love? What 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 are love's character traits? Well, we can go to First Corinthians thirteen. Okay. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. 13.3, if I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on having its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. In the Good News Bible, it says love does not keep a record of wrongs. That's right. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Wow. Let's just for a second, let's go back to 13.5. It says love is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on, on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. God's a gentleman. Mm-hmm. He's not going to force his way into your heart. He does not go where he's not wanted or feel he's, he's not welcome. And you know what's interesting is so we, we can put this attribute to God, but what about those attributes in our life? Are we, you know, you read the list oh, yeah. and it's I like mean, it's, it's not like, rude, you don't insist on in your own way, you're not irritable, you don't, antithetic- you're not resentful. <laughs> that's antithetical to my character, this mm. this. First Corinthians thirteen. Well, mm. you know, we we um, I guess that God's trying to teach us. That's why looking at His Word and studying His Word, it says, you know, understand what it means, and by beholding, you can be changed. But if you, you know, and to to read them and really make those words your own, and so if you live contrary <laughs> to this instruction, then it it's wise to um, ask the Lord to help you to be that different person that. Um, you're not capable of being on your own. And it's sometimes very difficult to be a loving person, mm-hmm. you know, in, in all circumstances. But see, what I think God is trying to tell us is when you have attributes of um, resentfulness and irritability and you want your own way, then you're becoming a person that is unfit 
for eternal realities. That, that's exactly right. Right. And he, he also states that he, to put this into practice, to put these these things in practice. And, you know, that's the difference, I think, between uh, gifts of the Spirit and fruits of the Spirit. You know, fruits of the Spirit are character traits. Right. You know, gifts, you can have all kinds of gifts, mm-hmm. be very talented, mm-hmm. be able to sing, be able to do all these wonderful things. These are gifts that God's bestowed upon us. Mm-hmm. But fruits are character traits. They're, they're what come out when, when, when times are tough, when there's a crisis. Uh, that's when your character is being tested. And that's, those that's, are the fruits. Right. That's when the rubber really meets the yeah. road and what's really the outcome of, of the experience. And you know what, unless we accept God, unless we accept what God is doing in our lives as, as in this vein, as therapeutic, we can get into all kinds of trouble with our picture of who God is. It can cause us you know, first, you know, not to trust him if we think he's keeping records so that one day he's going to nail us. He's going to get us with that clipboard, you know? Yeah, he's he's trying to um, produce in us a character like Christ. Mm-hmm. And if we have that wrong picture of these trials, it can cause us not to trust him, especially if we think that he's punishing us for our bad behavior. Sin punishes sin. The wages of sin is death. Sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. He who sows to the carnal nature, from that nature reaps destruction. God doesn't have to add to, to sin. If he had to add to it, then sin wouldn't be that bad. That's right. It's when we deviate from God's design that we injure ourselves and we injure others. And it is so predictable. It is predictable. You bet. If a person begins, and here's a good example, if a person begins an extramarital affair, you can predict what will happen. God does not have to do anything to punish anybody, but the marriage will still be in trouble. There is going to be havoc wreaked in in the relationship, and it's not caused by God. It's caused by our actions. Yeah, you can predict what will happen. You know, there'll be guilt. There'll be shame. will be hiding there will be lying there'll be all of this stuff going there'll on be we- anger resentment and 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 just you know fear and on all kinds of repercussions because we put self in front of somebody else yeah and it and it goes contrary to god's design which is what we've been talking about in this series about design law and about how reality works right when you do things contrary to the way reality works in conflict with it we have problems. I mean, basically, that's what sin is. It's deviation from design. Mm-hmm. It's deviation from, I mean, like a man that smokes three packs of cigarettes a day is introducing into his life a greater risk of getting lung cancer. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he's deviating from God's original design. Right. God did not design us to breathe in. There was no the Marlboros po- in the in the Garden of Eden. Right. And, you know, and, and we're coming from a place of being ex-smokers. So it's not like we don't have that experience. We know what how difficult it is. But the, but God did not design the body to, God designed right. the body to breathe in oxygen. Exactly. So now thinking along these lines and looking through this lens, this this design law lens, if you will, and the way reality works and the way the mind works and what God's trying to accomplish um, in our minds. Let's look at Matthew 10, 28, because I'm sure this comes to your mind now when we're saying, uh, you know, God, God doesn't have to deal with you. You, you know, you're going you're gonna to harm yourself. Let's look, look at Matthew 10, 28. And it says, and, and the text is, Do not fear those that kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him. And some versions put God right here. Hmm, mm-hmm. And that's not in the original language. Correct. But fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. The word here 
for soul in the original language is suke, from where we get psyche, from where we would form the word psychiatry. It means the mind, the character. Who's the only one that can destroy your character? It's you. If you choose to rebel against God, he will honor your choice to destroy yourself. Right. You know, he, he did not even honor the devil's choice to destroy himself. Did he not honor Adam and Eve, their choice to follow Satan in the garden? Yeah, he... he knowing, knowing, you know, God having the foreknowledge yeah. and knowing the destruction it was going to bring, he still allows us that freedom, that freedom to form our own character, the freedom of liberty. Yeah. He honored the devil's choice to rebel right in his very presence. Right. He honored Adam, and he'll honor your choice to rebel. He'll cry over it. And, and you know, and that's why it's so important for we as Christians to get out and to communicate this truth and to engage in people's lives just on an everyday basis and to let people know that there is hope and that there is um, God's trying to—he's not trying to get us into trouble. Right. He's, you're already in trouble. And so if we—now the context of Matthew 10, 28, if we read 10, 29, 30, and 31, we're going to find— uh, that what Jesus is talking about here, when he, when he begins in 1028 saying, you know, don't f- fear those that kill the body but cannot kill the soul. And right. then you get to 1029, and what does he say? He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of, of more value than any sparrows. Isn't that interesting? Don't be afraid of God. Be afraid of your own nature getting out of control when you're separated from God. You see, uh, I know some people are saying, well, Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom. uh, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. You know, anytime you read a text, you got to ask, what does it mean? Mm -hmm. The fear of the Lord in that context is reverence. Right. Reverence for the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Reverent, reverence for your teacher in second grade mm-hmm. is the beginning of wisdom. If the children are throwing spit wads and paper airplanes and there's no reverence for the teacher, Nobody there is can no learn. beginning of wisdom. Right, there's and no learning. That's what Proverbs is talking about. Whenever, Most of the time when you see fear of the Lord, it's talking about reverence. Right. Sit down, be quiet, be attentive. So you know, yeah, and so that's interesting that that the Bible has to tell us to have reverence for the Lord because that means that we don't have we reverence don't. for Him, and so we're not willing to sit and we're not willing to humble ourselves because we're proud and arrogant and yeah and fearful and selfishness. So God, so the Bible's trying to instruct us that you know to step back and to be willing to um, put aside what you think so that um, the Almighty can speak to you and teach you. Yeah. Yeah, see, so what Mac, when you read the whole thing in context, what, basically what Matthew is saying here is don't fear God, fear yourself. Don't fear the only one that can help right. you. Run to him. Right. So, so who is Christ? He is God. Were the disciples afraid of him? Were the drug addicts, the alcoholics, the lepers afraid of him? Who was afraid of Jesus? It was the religious leaders. It was, it's very interesting Isn't when you it? look at that. I mean, the cleansing of the temple. Mm-hmm. Who's mm-hmm. who's left? The, the the needy and the children are left there. 
right and, and, who and ran the, out? They, they're running from they're the, of their them. only solution to life right and they're running and the people that are left are the needy the the ones that recognize their condition who are coming to get answers who they wanted answers and it was their picture of god that caused them to be afraid of the people the ones that ran away yes you bet because yes yeah so, okay so so let's go uh Back to our story coming out of Egypt. Now, mm-hmm. remember, they ran out of water. They were placed in an absolute hopeless situation. Why? Now, not to punish them, no, so that they could experience a total reliance on God. That's right. So what God was doing here is, once again, it was therapeutic. He is eradicating the fear and selfishness from their hearts. Okay, here's the question. Is the patient responding? Mm-hmm. Answer, no. No. They're murmuring and complaining. So what's needed? More treatment. More treatment. More treatment. Yeah. So in Exodus 16, <laughs> 1, the Bible says, Then they they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Wow. And the people, now, I mean, they just came out of, they just came through the Red Sea, remember, and mm-hmm. now they're grumbling. Mm-hmm. Okay. We do it all the time. We can't point our finger to them and say, you know, how could they possibly do this? Because right. we do it all the time, too. Mm-hmm. And the people of Israel said to them, would it be that we had died at the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the... To be full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. What are they afraid of? Dying of hunger, right? right? Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Right, so once again, another hopeless situation, humanly speaking. They are out of food, and they're starving in the wilderness. But was it a hopeless situation from God's point of view? No. What's God looking for here? What, why is he putting his children through this? He's looking for a humble, tender heart, but he's finding hard hearts. So he applies a little therapy to humble them. Right, to help them, to teach them, to, to disciple them. To teach them, to disciple them. That they can trust him. Yeah, you know, I mean... When you plant, you know, we're planting, we've been planting for the last couple of months, We're planting, right? yes. We're planting. Mm-hmm. And what do we do? We prepare the soil, don't we? Yes. And if we don't prepare the soil, then and, and we're going to kind of fly over at 30,000 feet with the, with the parable of the sower here. Um, but what you have three different kinds of soil before you get to the good soil right? Mm -hmm. You get some where the birds devour it because it's just laying on top of the ground. You have some that fall on the rock and it withered withered away because it it had no moisture. And then you have some that falls among thorns, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The soil's not prepared, Mm -hmm. right? The seed seed won't sink in and germinate. Right. But then you have the heart that's prepared and that seed goes in yeah, and the plant can grow. So what's God trying to do here with his children in, in the wilderness? He's preparing the soil. Right. That's what he's doing. Trying to get the selfishness and the fear out right. of the heart so that his spirit can reside in there. They can end up in, a, in, in, in apparently a hopeless situation mm-hmm. and understand to trust totally on God. Right. And that eradicates the fear and selfishness, and he can plant the good seed in them 
and, and it will germinate and it will grow and say so they can be like Moses. Moses was full grown up. And mm-hmm. what did he tell them? There's no reason to be afraid. Mm-hmm. There's no need to be afraid. Right. You know, they were going, you go up, Moses. You, you, you talk to God. We're right. afraid. And he said, there's no reason to be afraid. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. The gospel, the good news is there's no no reason that, to be afraid. That's right. That's why that's why um God sent his son. Yeah. To show us what he is like. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You have no reason to be afraid of me. Right. Before the farmer plants, he prepares the soil. This is what God's doing in each of our lives. Even though we feel like we're wandering, even though it feels like we're dying of hunger and thirst, just knows that know that the hairs on your head are numbered. And that God is right there with you, preparing your heart, renewing your mind, and making you well. Now, if you're new to the program, you can go to our website and listen to the programs that have already been aired, www.justasiamministries.org, and then click the Listen Now button. Also, shoot us a call, 916-645-1297. 916-645-1297. Remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle, and the other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Do I love them? Can I feel his pain and his need? Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose in the series, The Kingdom of God, What Went Wrong with the Human Brain? If you or someone you know is living in the captivity of addiction and having trouble finding freedom, Rich and Susan Kallenberg are living testimonials that God does work miracles. They've created a seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook for yourself, someone you know, or your church, call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com and they'll send one to you. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. Contact them at 916-645-1297 or online at justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.